FX Medicine is evolving. As we continue to grow, it's important to us that we remain clinically relevant to your practice. So if you know of an expert you want to hear from, let us know. You can contact us on fxmedicine.com.au, Facebook or Instagram. This podcast is intended as healthcare practitioner education only and is not a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis or treatment. This is FX Medicine. I'm Andrew Whitfield-Cook. Joining us on the line today is Pam Hurd. Through her expertise as a naturopath, nutritionist and personal trainer, Pam enables women to prioritise and take control of their health and well-being. Pam has her own personal journey through high-performance sporting and career roles where she shifted from burnout and depression to balance and bouncing forward. Now, we met Pam at NatX 2019, where we did a video interview with her. And you can see our interviews and all the other great speakers at fxmedicine.com.au forward slash NatX. Welcome to FX Medicine, Pam. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Thanks for having me. Now, just like sport, you get thrown curveballs in business. Let's go through of these and just recap what we spoke about at NatX. So what happened with your sporting career with being thrown a curveball? I actually um, had a major car accident and got injured prior to um, some major tournaments. And from there, I really reassessed to see if, um, you know, playing professional sport anymore was, was for me. And then what about in business? In business, you know, um, curveballs are thrown at any time. Some are some that you can plan for, some you can't plan for. You know, particularly if something's happening in your personal life and it's sudden, you can't really plan for a curveball like that. Um, however, you can try and plan for other things. Uh, you know, a staff member is leaving, um, you know, it could be numerous other things that's going on in the professional world as well. You know, this is something that really interests me about resilience, positive mental attitude, keep going and things like that. And this sort of aspect of success really interests me in that you don't hear about the people who failed along the way. You hear about the people who are successful, like the big juggernauts of positive um, positive development, things like that. And their ongoing message is keep going. However, I was saliently reminded by an ex-policeman climbing Everest. The interesting part that I took was that at one point, he turned around to, to go back down. He hesitated. When he turned back to continue, his friend that was ahead of him had gone in an avalanche. Now, that says to me, at some point, it's okay to stop and reassess. Oh, 100%. And, you know, your goals are always going to change in business or in personal life as well, and it's okay if they change. Just because, you know, you don't exactly want to reach that particular thing or goal anymore doesn't mean that you've failed. It just means you change direction. Ah, now that's an interesting point. Do we now have to really think about what we would constitute as a failure of our goal and where we just need to readjust our direction to get to that goal? Yeah, absolutely. And I don't think, you know, when you're looking at goals, you always need to look at your end game and your end game can change depending on what's going on in life. 
So that's where you reassess and go, okay, maybe that's not where I want to be anymore. I need to change my direction. But that you can't really say that that's failing in a way. But when you've got a business plan, you'd really like to reach that end goal, the specified end goal. How do you cope? How do you plan for achieving your aims while still allowing curveballs? I think um, you always have to keep that end game in mind. Yeah, there's always going to be something that pops up um, that, you know, potentially that you do fail on. And it's okay to kind of, I wouldn't say grieve in a way, but, you know, be sad about what has happened. And then always remember that end game, right? That's what I want to achieve. So that's what's going to motivate me to pick myself back up and keep working towards that goal. Because I think it's a real test of character, how you actually, if you, you know, do have a struggle or you do get thrown a curveball, that you can actually pick yourself back up again and, you know, move forward from that. I wonder if part of this is actually more on an emotional aspect about forgiving yourself. Oh, 100% that you have to forgive yourself because we're all going to make mistakes. I mean, nobody's perfect, right? So we just need to forgive, move on, and then learn from that mistake. So what didn't work? Like go back, what didn't work that time that, you know, I did fail and then change that and then just keep trying and then potentially you might fail again, but you just have to keep persisting a little bit in business because it takes time to learn. Like you don't know everything and you don't know what works for you either. What might work for you doesn't necessarily work for another person. So you really need to just keep trying and finding what works for you. So it's really the assessment along the way, still with that single, if you like, end goal in mind. So it's almost like, you know, if you're shooting an arrow and there's a tree in front of you, move to the side. You still want to hit the target on the other side, but you just moved your aspect um, so that you can still reach your target, yeah? Absolutely. That's a really good analogy. Pam, what happens though when something happens, it's untoward, it's unseen, it's unplanned, but it might not just affect you emotionally, but what about financially? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How do you stop being sad, grieving? How do you settle down the whirlwind of, oh my God, something's happened, so that you can then take a more objective approach uh, and then carry on? I think you just need to take a step back. Sometimes if we try and keep pushing and pushing and pushing, then that's when we just the overwhelm just becomes so much that, you know, you essentially just want to give up. So it's okay to take a step back, take some time out and think about, you know, what has happened and reassess. Um, obviously, it's difficult sometimes when there is a financial aspect because you have to keep working. But maybe it's just minimising your time, you know, really prioritising what what you're doing when you're doing it as well. You don't necessarily have to fully take a, you know, remove yourself. Yeah. Things like taking a step back though, when there's this weight of catastrophe hanging over you and all that you are focusing on right now is the negative, the cloud. How does one step out from under that cloud? Do you teach skills to other practitioners to, about what to do? Absolutely. And sometimes you just have to face your fears as well. Like we can't essentially run away all our life, can we? We have to, you know, face up and, and face the music. And But there's also that element of self-care as well, of taking the step back of you not always having to think about that, you know, that bad thing that has happened or that failure that has occurred. Simply take some time for yourself, try and calm yourself down mentally, emotionally, and just 
then go into it with a clear head. Because if we're feeling overwhelmed, like, you know, you sit down to your computer and you stare at it for an hour and that's not really helping anywhere, anyone. But you can take a step back, you know, have that hour where you essentially are looking after yourself and then move forward into um, the challenge you're facing. I would then guess, and it sort of seems counterintuitive, that at the lowest point is when you really need a mentor as well, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Like you, somebody that you can bounce ideas off um, can help you work through all those kind of challenges as well. A hundred percent agree. doesn't have to always be a mentor though. If you've got a close network of friends that, you know, do know what you're kind of going through too, that own a business that have been there, that can help be helpful as well. When you look at other practitioners, like for instance, the audience that you spoke to at NADX, and you hear some of their stories about things going awry, you seem to me to be an extremely driven person. You know, I was looking at your eyes. There's the sports person eagle eyes there. <laughs> um, I've seen those before. They're scary. But um, but how do you teach this other person that's going through some adverse event to take stock, to, to stop? What sort of skills do you teach them? Yeah, sometimes it can be really challenging because I've got such a driven personality. Um, I find it hard to relate to somebody that doesn't have the same personality as me. Um, because if I'm faced with a challenge, I just kind of won't, you know, take a step back and get on with it. Um, but some people really need that real nurturing. And, you know, it's okay, you know, let's put these steps in process, um, whether, you, you know, you're going to take a, a couple of days off, block out your time, try and regroup mentally, um, physically as well. And then, you know, this is, you know, one, two, three, what we're going to do to move forward it's really individual because not everybody is the same so I think everybody deals and copes with disappointment or failure or curveballs in a completely different way so I guess look just going back to that analogy about you know coaching and mentorship I was I was thinking just before about you with your hockey let's say you're you know training goal shooting and you're getting frustrated because of some something that's not right in your technique and you keep shooting at goal, keep shooting at goal, miss, miss, miss. Your anger is driving you now. Now, normally in a sports uh, example, you've got a coach there already by your side going, no, listen, move your right foot back and you'll change your body angle to that so that then your your you know splice won't won't happen so much or something like that. I guess now you've got to think about single practitioners or, or, you know, having a small business and you don't have a coach there and then. So now you need to find a coach. How do you find a good coach? I think you need to find somebody that resonates with you. You know, there's so many different coaches. They all have different expertise as well. And I think you, depending on what area that you're failing in, then you need to find a coach that is obviously essentially going to help you in that specific area. You know, SEO, marketing, I, you know, the list, or whether it's even just in your naturopathic practice, you want to obviously improve your skills there. You just really need to find the particular coach that is going to be right for you. So you as a speaker at NADEX, is there something that you picked up from other speakers going, oh, that's interesting, I might talk to them? Absolutely. I mean, I loved Amy's um, presentation on powerful presenting. I just, her composure... Um, particularly when she was speaking, when she was really under pressure, was just amazing. 
And I think, you know, if we can take those kind of skills into everyday life, I mean, we would just come leaps and bounds. Being a presenter, being a a successful business person now, having a successful practice, are you the type of person that is always on the hunt for new things that can improve your, I'm going to say, performance? Absolutely. I'm always looking to see what can help me improve, what can, you know, and also challenge me as well, because I, I don't really like to just drift through life. I really like to be challenged and pushed out of my comfort zone. Um, so I grow as a person and also professionally as well to hone my skills and become better at them all the time. Now, curveballs, um, we've spoken about coping with them. We've spoken about planned and unplanned. What about avoiding them altogether? Avoiding curveballs um, <clears throat> can be difficult at times. <laughs> but, you know, this is where a coach can come in as well because, you know, essentially they've been there. They've done that and they can help prepare you or to just um, totally navigate those times where they haven't, you know, succeeded or have failed at certain things. And, you know, that's where their expertise is coming in too. So they draw on their experience so then you don't follow in those same footsteps. You know, not necessarily what worked for them will work with you, but it'll try and help navigate, you know, 90% of it. How do you, which do you favour, passion or aptitude um, to sustain you through um, a career? Passion, 100%. If you don't like what you're doing, people will see through you all the time. What if you don't know your passion? How do you find what you're going to be passionate about? I think you have to um, explore different areas, particularly when it comes to business. When you come out of um, college, you don't know what you like because you haven't experienced, you know, different areas within clinic. And I mean, it might not even be clinic that you like. You might enjoy being a rep, but until you actually do it, then you're not really 100% sure what your passion is. Or the other way is if you've experienced it and you're quite passionate about what you have experienced that you feel that you can help people. You know, burnout, I experienced burnout and that that's my area of passion now because I can completely can relate and understand how people feel when they're going through it. Look, I've spoken to people, as you say, that they're not doing, if you like, what they're really chosen to do. I don't really believe in a divine power, but, you know, what their real calling is. Um, you know, some People that I know are really better suited to being researchers. There's one practitioner I know, even though she's an incredible diagnostician, um, her calling is massage. And there is nobody that massages like this, this woman. Having said that, if you're not doing your passion, I guess you're headed really for burnout, right? You've got some experience in this. A hundred percent, because every day feels like a drag. You get up, you don't want to go to work, you know, you're just pretty much going through the motions. And, you know, people can see that you're not happy and then it just leads to a whole range of different problems. Then you just don't attract clients, you're not earning money, all of those kinds of things, and then you're stressing yourself out because you don't have any clients. (laughs) So it's a bit of a, you know, vicious circle you go round and round in. But you just, you know, finding your passion may take a little bit of time. And sometimes, you know, you talked about research. Sometimes job opportunities don't really come up that often for that um, for that role. So you don't really know if you like it or not. I've heard you mention quite a few times now, 100%. What happens when you need 110, 120% that as much as you can give is just not enough? 
what's your advice to clinicians who are really headed for burnout? I think if you're giving 100% and things aren't working for you, then you really need to reassess what you're doing and why you're doing it. Because burnout is not a fun place at all. Um, And, you know, many of us practitioners have experienced it or are experiencing it because we just push ourselves so hard and we just give and give and give without actually giving back to ourselves. So, you know, if you're pushing and things aren't working, reassess. Where is it that I want to be? Is this really for me? Do I need to get somebody in to help me? You know, that's where a business coach could come into play um, as well and really start to figure out what you want. Now, I guess also you've suffered burnout. You're now back from burnout and you've got a successful practice. Are you attuned now to the symptoms about, uh uh-oh, I'm giving 100%, it's not working for me? Are you more attuned to these, you know, signs and symptoms, the warning signs of burnout so that you can then take appropriate action? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I am very in tune with my body and knowing when I'm reaching that point. But, you know, the high achiever and the really (laughs) driven person in me sometimes finds it very difficult to stop or take a step back. And I don't want to hit rock bottom again because that was horrible. You know, I was at the stage where I actually couldn't get out of bed. That's how bad I was. Um, Yeah. And, you know, I'd set two alarms for work. I'd sleep through both of those alarms. Um, So, you know, you can imagine what impact that kind of had on my life, particularly I didn't want to lose my job at the time as well. Um, So I really had to put things in place to try and help me um, avoid that in the future too. Stop, stop doing so much. You know, I think the biggest thing is you don't have to say yes to everything. And I think sometimes we feel that we have to say yes to everything. But saying no is okay. It's totally okay. Do you use analogies from your sporting life, like, for instance, just what you said, that sometimes it's okay to say no, uh, it, you know, and, and you do what serves you? Like, for instance, in your sporting life, you use a technique which works for you. Do you find that you listen to those analogies, if you like, that you have, the lessons that you learnt from your sporting life and use those in your business life? Yeah, absolutely, all the time. Um, But I think more on to the perspective of um, being very, very driven of of how to to change your course and to how to just manoeuvre, you know, the zigzag through business life because it's not a straight line, it's not perfect um, and just like playing sport, it's never perfect. You're never going to get selected. Well, most times you're not going to get selected for every single team you go for either. Pam, what about further resources for naturopaths who may be, you know, headed in the wrong direction, feeling the the well, overwhelm of business pressures, of, of their career pressures? Um, where do they go to seek help? Have you got any further resources? Yeah, on my website, I've got um, a resource Eating for Energy. And also, you know, some recipes in relation to helping with your cortisol and burnout um, because they're high in specific nutrients that you need. And also a blog on, you know, what is cortisol imbalance? What signs do I need to look out for? And what can I do to help myself? Because even though that we're in the field of natural medicine and helping people, I think it's really important that we um, are reminded of these things sometimes as well. We all know that. But, you know, we just need that gentle reminder to think, oh, yeah, geez, that's right. That's what's happening to me. I need to, you know, make some changes so I don't end up completely burned out. Time for us each to care for the carer, to care for ourselves. (laughs) 
Absolutely. And you can reference Pam's work at her website, pamherd.com, and we'll be putting up other resources and links on the FX Medicine website for everyone to access. Pam Hurd, thank you so much for joining us on FX Medicine today. Thanks very much for having me. This is FX Medicine. I'm Andrew Whitfield-Cook. Thanks for listening. To make sure you never miss an episode, subscribe to us on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts or Spotify. You can also let us know what further topics you'd like us to cover by contacting us through our website, fxmedicine.com.au or by connecting with us on Facebook or Instagram.